Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. All right. Hello. Welcome to One Media, One Media, where we take two pieces of media and take a shit all over it. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's kidding. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're just real mean. We're like, we hated that. We hate this. <laughs> 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 a terrible show. Yeah. Just <laughs> kidding. Anyway, so today we're going to talk about Cowboy Bebop. And, you know, I've always heard that it was supposed to be the best anime series ever. And for some reason, I never ended up watching it. Well, when it was on Cartoon Network, they would always play it out of order. And for me, I always had to like watch it in order. Or But this one, you really don't need to watch it in order, so I've noticed, except for the last two episodes. I was thinking that when you had said that you had seen like standalone episodes not in order yeah. on TV. And when I was watching this, I was like, oh, you could do that. You could do that and still enjoy it. So, But I get why you didn't get wrapped up in it because you didn't have the chance to. Right. And it's the first series where I love the intro music. All of the music. Yeah, all of it. But God, I mean, I'd just let the music just play the whole entire time. Usually I'd skip the intro. This is available on Funimation. And the manga series was only two volumes, the first set. And it was released in 1997, and it ended in June 8th of 1998. It was written by Kang Kuga. And then the anime series was directed by Shinkiro Watanabe. The director and the producer and the writer also worked on Carol on Tuesday and Samurai Champloo. And the music was by Yuko Kano. Props to the music. I love the music. And it was only 26 episodes, and it was released in April 3rd, 1998, and it ended in June 26, 1998. And then they released three more volumes of the manga in 1998 to 2000. And then there's a movie, which I heard is pretty divisive. It was called Cowboy Bebop, the movie, and it was released in 2001. And that's an animated movie? Yeah. Is it the same people drawing it? Yeah. 
same crew, supposedly. Is it the same people who draw the original manga? Uh, no. But they used the art from there. Yeah, they used some of the art. And then and animated. It was illustrated by Kane Kuga. You know, I can't find who actually wrote it. I'm so wrong. It just says it was published by somebody and illustrated by somebody. Then who wrote it? Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, my God. Hajime Yate. Hajime Yate. You know what we need? Yate or Yate. Are you looking at it online where it's a little thing like we the dictionary? We could press the button so we can like do justice <laughs> to these people's names. Yeah. Not butcher yeah. Them. Instead of We apologize. Them. Yeah. We apologize. <laughs> it takes place in 2071, roughly 50 years after a hyperspace gateway, which made Earth almost unlivable. So everybody had to colonize to say Mars in different places. The series. It follows a Motley crew, I'd say, with Spike and Jet. And then throughout the series, they get a dog named Ein, and then someone named Faye kind of joins. Mm-hmm. And then Edward kind of comes in last. Yes. You like Edward. Interesting. Ugh, love. <laughs> They're like a weird ragtag family. Yeah. And the reason why they call it Cowboy Bebop is Bebop is the name of the ship. If you didn't notice. I figured it out. (laughs) You figured it out. I did. It's Jet's ship. (laughs) It's Jet's ship. Yes, that's true. And they're just bounty hunters. It's just basically you learn a little bit more and more about each character, but they don't give you a lot about each character. They just kind of tell you just a little bit to keep on like making you ask, wait, wait, what? (laughs) What Exactly. Yeah. And I, it took me a minute to realize like Cowboy was. The same interchangeable as bounty hunter, so it's like the oh. same idea, right? Like it's it's interchangeable. Oh, I you know I didn't know that. Look at it's, you. Yeah, that's yeah. Look at me. And then also, I agree with you. They don't give you a whole bunch on the characters, so that's why you can watch in the middle. Like if you just watch one on TV, because yeah. you're not going to really miss a whole bunch because nothing's really hinged on their histories or what's going to happen. Right, and I'll admit they. And Edward and Ayn, they kind of join a little bit later in the series, but it's within the first 10 episodes that they all kind of join. It's not yeah. like they're all a part of this crew and they live this big, happy family of bounty hunting. No. And some episodes focus on one of the characters more. That's sometimes. what I love about the series. I might have to agree with most people. and It might be the best series I've seen in a while. It might be a little bit better than Carol and Tuesday. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I think it is really good. Yeah, I really, really liked it. And I do think it's almost better than Carol on Tuesday and the idea that Carol on Tuesday, you have to watch it to know what happens. Whereas this, you can just get these little slices of this strange group of people's life and like the strange world that was created right away. I don't want to like constantly try to make comparisons, but Carol and Tuesday definitely take place in the same universe as Cowboy Bebop. 100%. It's definitely obvious that it does. And there's voices even. Gus, especially the music manager of Carol and Tuesday, seems like he could have been in Cowboy Bebop. Like in right. his past. It seems like the characters all have kind of a, a chip on their shoulder, except for Edward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Edward's just like a little weirdo. I yeah. love Edward. Should we 
go through the characters and talk give about a little them. taste. Give yeah. a little taste. So, a little bit. Spike, you don't really learn too much about him until the last couple episodes and where the <laughs> hits the fan. Okay. So you'll see. <laughs> I'll see. I've got up to episode 21, so I'm on the yeah, you're only five side. Away. I'm just oh, about God. to finish this season. But um, Spike is very mysterious. He's very young. Mysterious. He's rec- kind of reckless. Yeah. Tough. And he has a very weird fighting style that looks very unethical, but it just works. And he talks about going with the flow of what water was it? Yeah. You don't know a lot about Spike past or, but he does have kind of like an easy way of fighting. Like he's very like chill. And then he's also very reckless. It's like, he doesn't care about his life. Right. That explains everything at the end. Last two episodes. Okay. <laughs> Exciting. And yeah. then and so, but I would say Spike and Jet are the main, main characters. Yes. And Jet was a ex policeman or detective, maybe something like that. Yeah. And he became disillusioned with what was going on within the police. And so he decided to leave and become a bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. And he's got like a big bionic arm. Yeah. God, that story is amazing too. Yes. And he's tough, but he's also sweet. Like he has his bonsai tree. He's kind and... of a fatherly type of the, yeah. <laughs> of the group. To say Definitely. The least. He's more level-headed. Just a little bit. In a lot of ways, a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah. And then Faye Valentine, she has a terrible gambling problem, to say the least. She is actually 77 years old, although she does look 23 years old. And you learn more about her past throughout the series. And yeah, that was surprising. That was an exciting episode. Definitely. And then you don't know anything about her. Yeah. And she doesn't know anything about herself. It turns out, yeah. She wasn't hiding anything. She doesn't know anything. And she's very brash and she's... I think she kind of wants to be like Spike in a way. Or... Well, she and she is. Like, they're similar because they, they, they're they kind of heavy-handed about how they do things. They're not very, like, stealthy. Yeah, totally. And then Edward is, like, I guess, a world-class computer hacker. Mm-hmm. And you don't know much about him or her. Her. <laughs> I know, but they always mistake her for uh, a boy. She's androgynous. Until maybe episode 23 or 24. Oh, I'm going to learn so oh, much soon. wait a minute. <laughs> Never mind. I'm so excited. You learn a little bit more about her. When she entered in, she was kind of by herself somewhere on a computer. And she's very, very smart, but she's also just very childlike. She's like a little kid. She just giggles a lot and like does flips and hangs out with the dog. Yeah. And I wish they would have done a little bit more with the character myself. Because she always just has a couple of lines here and there. And then that's it. (laughs) And eats something. She's always hungry. Oh, we didn't say though. Ayn was the first new Ayn was the first yeah. new member, which is a dog, a corgi. Yeah. And <laughs> that was actually a bounty and they decided to keep it. So you never know what Ayn has that's worth so much. Yeah, you never find out. <laughs> oh, yeah, you never find uh, out. I mean, yeah. Do you? Nope. It's kind of confusing. <laughs> and it's like, and then they keep Ayn, like yeah. a regular dog. But there's obviously <laughs> something very special about Ayn. <laughs> so Funny. Maybe in the movie. <laughs> Maybe. I don't remember if I mentioned it, but I might have to watch the movie 
<laughs> you do. Okay, yeah. You have to let me know. Yeah. I think it's also available on Funimation too. So what else can I say about this series? I mean, I could just gush over this all day long. I want to say that the first episode is dark and kind of mysterious. I was shocked. I was like, what? Obviously, everything else we watched is like very slice of life and cute. <laughs> and this is not, this is like grittier. Yeah. And there's violence. It's kind of like a spaghetti Western in a way. And it's just the world is so strange. I love the TV station that they watch where they, it talks about the bounties. And it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, obviously, this person really loves Westerns. They love, like, um, 70s stuff. Yeah. I feel like it's yeah. this interesting blend of styles. and They call it neo-noir or oh, space Western. That's fair. I take the, <laughs> all very good descriptions. I also was thinking about, because of the Carol and Tuesday parallel. Yeah. Because you see those worlds kind of Yeah, they mention Amar is quite often, and they visit it a yeah, lot, too. Yeah, So. And to think that this came out like almost 20 years before. The animation to me is amazing. I love the character design. There's actually nothing I don't like about this series, really. Oh, I was going to say the first episode is kind of dark, but then you'll have other episodes that are more goofy. So yeah. they're not, all, not every episode has like a ton of violence or it's all about just catching it, you know, one of their bounties or whatever. It'll go into some other weird funny adventure and it never turns out how you think it's going to that's the thing and it never ends the way i'm going to expect it and then it says see you later cowboy and then that's how it just ends it's like wait that's it yeah no yeah like they don't always finish everything it doesn't always work out and there's always these questions that you're always left with and you're like wait what 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 come on i want more yeah that's it it's done no I think so it's the scary. first series where I just didn't want it to end. I just wanted to keep on going. I could have watched at least 100 episodes and been okay no, with it. <laughs> I agree with you. I feel like the the formula for it is so well done and doesn't get boring. Because each episode you're learning about whatever person they're trying to pick up or whatever planet they're on. or yeah. So there's always something new to learn about. There's such a big world that was created. So it could just keep going on and on. And I feel like it would get boring. So I get why people say it's like the best anime it doesn't feel like it's from 1998 you know like you're no. not like this is dated it's amazing it's pretty current so there's somewhere one of the episodes a couple of them actually they talk about like a venus illness like certain people get oh yes. sick on venus but then they also have another person who took medications and their gender changed oh, really? and that was yeah and that was in carol and tuesday as well and i just thought right. it was interesting that this person or whatever they're getting their stories from brings in these very interesting androgynous people, but also um, like gender fluid people yeah. and things like that. I, have, I just thought it was interesting that that was happening in the 98 cartoon as well as Carol on Tuesday. Wow. I don't remember that episode. I know I watched them all. Did it just kind of brush over it? It was just like, blip, blip, blip. No, <laughs> it was not brushed over. It was one of the friends of Vicious Okay. It was when it came back after. Oh, that one. It, I, oh, I forgot. Mm -hmm. I for, I totally yeah. forgot. Okay, now I remember. It's a weird yes, snippet yes. thing, but it's not like it yeah, hinged it on anything. Yeah, one episode. It was so, mm -hmm. that was so good. Yeah. So anyways, I thought that was an interesting That's right. topic and character play that this person does with their work. 
that right. there's all different types of people. Yeah, they, there's so many types of people on these different planets, which is, it's fun. Damn, that was such a good episode too. You see, I forget because I was just trying to push forward and complete the series. Now you have to watch it again. Do you yeah. have a favorite episode you, oh God, that stood gonna, out? <laughs> you, do you? Or there are a couple of that I just loved. Let me see if I could find the list of episodes. Yeah, I don't know the name. I wrote down one of them that stood out to me, which is like more of a funny episode was the f- one based around the fridge. Like that one. I think it's called Toys. That one was so good. Something at Toys or something like that. It was kind of like mocking the whole entire... Hold on here. What's this look? Toys in the Attic. You're right. Toys in the Attic. That was one of... I thought that was really funny. Episode 18 was the one I really liked was Speak Like a Child. That was amazing. That was so good. The old technology. Yeah. That was... I was like... Right. And then episode 17, The Mushroom Samba. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> that one, Ed gets a little more play. Yeah, in it. and you texted me around four because it's like very like <laughs> of the virus. Yeah, times. So that was interesting. <laughs> the Gateway Shuffle is the one that you're talking about. Episode four. I think that's the one. Yeah. Was yeah. it where you're like, what? I was like, oh my god. The Heavy Metal Queen. That was good. <gasps> That was one of my favorite characters. See, that's what I mean. He creates these interesting characters who you don't know if people are male or female or they're just different. Like they're just different types of people. Right, right. She's kind of butch, to say Mm -hmm. the least. And she drives, I guess, a space big rig. Yeah, they're like space truckers. That's right. That's so interesting. Like he builds these interesting subcultures in these planets. Like how the future will be. Because it's like similar to what we deal with now, but it, I don't know. It's also believable too, which is kind of crazy. That's what I really like about the series. Oh man, you haven't gotten to 23 yet. That one's so no. good. Uh, I know. I tried really hard to have it all done and I got to 21. And I don't know. Part of me is like how you're like, I don't want it to end. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The burning question. What did Bart think? He did like this one. He liked it a lot. He yeah. liked it. Yeah. And you know, his favorite, well, he didn't really sit through so many because he's kind of a busybody or he'll draw during it, but he did really like it. He liked the music. Well, look at that. We found a series that he kind of likes. Yes. He did appreciate all of it. He's like, oh, the animation, the choices, everything. What? It worked so well. Yeah. So he was like, I can't believe you're watching this. It's so violent. Yeah, you know, episodes <laughs> later, we found something he liked. Hooray! Amazing. <laughs> we succeeded. Yeah, if you haven't seen this yet and you like anime, you should definitely watch it. Even if you don't like anime, supposedly, you should watch this one. Yeah, this is one for everybody. Yeah, comparatively, the style to Carol and Tuesday, yeah, you're right. It, the characters look the same. It's in the same kind of world. Carol and Tuesday is a little bit more lighthearted in some aspects, where this is always just like you're kind of in the dirt with them. You're living with them the whole entire time. Yeah, and they're bounty hunters, so they're like on the fringe of society and they're all looking for criminals. So it's a lot different than Carol and Tuesday are like really sweet girls trying to yeah. kind of a music deal. <laughs> so, right. A little bit different. But when you watch it, it's fun to watch both of them because you do see a continuation of the world you love so much. So 
like I really care on Tuesdays. So going backwards and watching Cowboy Bebop, I'm like, oh, I'm back in their world. Like, that's so exciting. So. Yeah. Can't wait for you to watch Samurai Champloo next. Well, we're not, yeah. not going to watch it next, but we'll watch it sometime soon. Eventually. Eventually. Yes, yeah, maybe in a month or two. But then we won't have any more to watch by them, which is sad. That's all? Like, who makes stuff like this and is like, I'll just do three? Like, what? Well, they've done other stuff. Okay, so you did Cowboy Bebop, Summer at Champloo next after that, and then Kids on the Slope. I don't know. <laughs> Terror in Renaissance? All right. Well, I don't know. We'll have to maybe dig in a little bit deeper and see if it's yeah. any good. Yeah. He's- you mean you will? Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely in my uh, radar now. I'm glad I actually completed this and watched it. And finally, I've completed Cowboy Bebop. Hooray! <laughs> yeah. Now now you're like a real anime person. <laughs> no, like, I'm not. Fred. Any anime person I talk to, they always want me to watch One Piece. Or they talk to me about how cool this one Dragon Ball Z episode was. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going to watch it. Uh-uh. Sorry. That's okay. Does Funimation bring us a bunch of other series we normally wouldn't? Yeah. So Funimation, they are a translation uh, company pretty much. And they have their own crew of people who do the dubs and the translation. So they have a ton of different animes that we could just watch and possibly like. Anyway, I'll check it out. And we're going to move on to our next segment. Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Hey, podcast fans. I'm Jeff Davis. Through the safety of your earbuds, Bluetooth speaker, or car stereo, join me as I venture out on the wine road. Aiden offers up practical and helpful tips to help you live a more joyful life. The art of being yay isn't just something he developed on a whim on a lonely Wednesday. Welcome to Swirl, the wine show for people who know about wine and I know nothing about wine but I love it and I feel like wine's for everybody I also feel like wine is also intimidating Storygram Network and we are back and leave it to Elaine to pick something obscure and not even release digitally <laughs> How did this happen? I'm taking all the popular and you picked the two obscure albums so far. You created me. (laughs) 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 This is because of you. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is a good one. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Okay, so we're talking about Unknown by Rasputina. And Rasputina is probably one of my favorite bands ever. I've been following them for over 20 years, since at least 95 or 94. They have written one of my favorite albums ever, which is How We Quit the Forest. But they, they've they kind of moved on from that style and they've kind of grown into what they do now. This is their seventh full-length album. It was released April 10th, 2015. It's a little less than an hour. And it was mostly all written and performed by Melora Krager. And the inspiration came from what happened with her. And I guess her computer got hacked by, it seemed like ransomware or something. When they took over a computer, threatened her, and then they said if she didn't do this, they'd delete all the stuff on her computer. And I guess they did. Yeah, because I just remember there was like a time period where like, what's wrong with Melora? Uh, She's sending out all this weird messaging. Yeah, she talked about it openly on the websites and all her social media accounts because I guess all of it was hacked. And it seemed like she was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it say. seemed like she had lost it or something. It's like, what's going on? Yeah. So the song Unicorn Horn Mounted was actually inspired, tells the story of that experience. And actually, the whole entire album's just kind of talking through that. And when I first listened to it, I didn't like it. But this is always my first reaction to any Rasputina album. I don't like it at first. And then I have to get used to it. Really? Yep. Every single time. And then it grew on me. I've listened to it like three times now. That's probably like the one for me that's like that is probably the ether one. Oh, thanks for the ether. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that sounds so good. It is, but it's weird. So you at first when you hear it, you're like, what is this? Yes. And I forgot to mention that this is not available anywhere. You cannot find it. On Spotify, we found it on YouTube, mm-hmm. but uh, you are only able to get it at her concerts, which I guess you did. I did. Commence. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking it was probably around that time period, <laughs> 15, yeah. and it was when she started playing a lot in the city in San Francisco at the chapel. So it was like, and uh, they're okay. recitals. They're not like shows anywhere. They're like recitals, like where everyone sits. Oh, I think it was one I didn't go to. Yeah. It's like one of the ones. we Because we, you started following them in the 90s, and then we became friends later on, and then you took me along for the <laughs> ride, and we would see them like every year, whether it was Oakland or San Francisco. Religiously. Shows. Yeah, and their shows really, they have really changed which makes sense. People change and artists change and shift. So it's like, it used to be kind of a bigger kind of sound and more, I don't know, rock and roll. And then it's, yeah. she's kind of gotten smaller and more curated in how she does stuff. And it's hard to call it Rasputino when it's really just Melora and like whoever will stick around with her for the next tour. Because she doesn't have a lot of repeat in like musicians, right? The only one that comes back is that drummer, which... I used to hate for a while, but... Oh, my God. We had to stand (laughs) in a concert so Tess wouldn't have to see the drummer. (laughs) I don't want to look at him anymore. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was a... 
the time when we saw them because I see on their wiki that they're kind of known as one of the founders of Steampunk or something along that line. And Mm-mm. yeah, it's so strange. You could tell their fans totally made this wiki. Yeah, but were you at that Edwardian ball with yeah, the steam? That yeah, was and the she hated funniest. them. She hated it. Oh. She was mad. She called them stinky or something. She did not like them. It was, that was the, the only time I saw ever. her so off. Yeah, and when she showed up, I remember I could tell she was not happy because she was carrying her boots and she walked in barefoot like she was just kind of slopping out there or something (laughs) yeah and i don't think that at the edwardian ball those steampunk people did not appreciate melora like they did not get it like i'm like you guys are so behind like she's Uh, yeah i think she's kind of beyond a steampunk like she was steampunk before it was cool in a way yeah because she's an odd historical person. Like, she has right. a lot of historical references in her music and a odd ton. things. And- Let's see, what else here? She toured with Pornoful Pyros, Marilyn Manson, Susie Q, um, you know, Susie and the Banshees, Les Claypool. We saw him during that. Oh, and God. That, that was, was awful, the worst. too. <laughs> she opened for them. And we left only, like, two songs into Les Claypool. Like, we watched all of Rasputina, and then Les Claypool came on. Then we had to leave because I got the munchies because the crowd was smoking so much pot. <laughs> That's oh my right. It was like I was hotboxed at that concert. <laughs> and Terrible. she also uh, played cello with Nirvana. I didn't 94. know that. Yeah, I oh, think I sent you some cool. videos. Oh, maybe you did. Yeah, that just sounds magical. That yeah, makes me happy. she has quite the history. And I'd hate to say it, one of the reasons why they did get popular, per se, is that Marilyn Manson and Twiggy remixed one of their songs from Thanks for the Ether, Transvenian Concubine. So that's why they, they got pretty well known within the whole entire community of goth. Yeah, but they're still weird. Like they're still, they're still too very weird. weird for even the goth people. So she's like in a, her own category. Because <laughs> I feel like whenever I bring her up, she's very, people are like, eh. You know, like only certain people really get it. Like, oh, really? yeah. Interesting. I feel like that. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about how we quit the forest one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know we will. I felt like this album, The Known, was in line with like Oh Perilous World and Sister Kinderhook. Yeah. Like it was like, but it felt, it didn't feel as cohesive. Like those two albums feel like a lot of her albums where it's like, you have to listen to it from beginning to end because it's like a story. Like she's painting right. like a world and story with her music. And this one felt like songs that could have almost gone on those albums, but then were left out and put together on this album. Yeah. The theme is definitely this feeling violated and how her identity was taken away. Do you think it's more personal than those last a lot two I more mentioned? Personal. Yeah. Right? It felt personal and it felt kind of dark. So it's she a obviously lot is processing. When I was listening to it last night, I was just sitting there playing video games and I turned on the music and let that play as my soundtrack. I was like, God damn, this is pretty damn dark. What yeah. in the world is going on? Wow. Poor Melora. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel her pain. <sighs> well, would I recommend this to anybody? Uh would you? <laughs> I like it. I don't think it'd be the first album I'd recommend for Rasputina. I'd opt for another one. My default go-to would be always be How We Quit the Forest. But it is good. And I can't really pinpoint a song that I like the most. I listened to it two, three times. And I still can't pinpoint which one I like more or whatever. But okay, you go ahead. 
I like the Sparrowhawk one. <laughs> yeah, very sad stories throughout all of it. Except there's that one that's kind of silly. She always has like a silly kind of yeah. humor to her. The funnier song is Pastoral Noors. Okay, here we go. is really good <laughs> that's that's the lightest it goes then yeah. everything else is kind of dark from there i guess i'll put the unicorn porn mounted on here but the weirdest thing about it it's instrumental for about a good minute and a half or so and then she starts singing so i'll have to skip to the singing what you don't have by right you steal beauty loses when the big game hunter chooses to mount it on a plaque. It cannot be glued back. It's on a plaque in his den. And you're drinking cognac when his associates come in. So you really have to like put it all together. That's what I like about her music. You really have to listen to the lyrics, which is really hard for me. And then try to create the story about what she's talking about. And that's definitely one of them right there. Yeah. She does create these interesting stories. And yeah, but there it's, it's all, you know, metaphors and mixed in with like yeah. different imagery. Yeah, well, and considering time that one was supposed to be about the whole entire online experience. That's kind of, <laughs> well, she doesn't, she's not very like, yeah, she's an artist. It she's not very straightforward about it. Lenses and channels. And I think at the end is mostly instrumental and they're all pretty good. 
Like I said, I just finished listening to it for the third time just right before we started recording. And that's where it started growing on me. <laughs> yeah, this one, I like it. It's just sadder. So I like the other ones where I can have like live in fantasy, like in a fantasy world of like, yeah. you know, a perilous world or right. Kinderhood. Sounds like she's reading from an old story book or something like that with all their other ones where this one's a little bit more direct in a way. Well, not direct in that way. It's really hard. <laughs> it is. <laughs> She's, yeah. That's what's interesting about her work. So. Yeah. But I like this album. The artwork is good. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't know is she does all the artwork for all of her albums, except for one. And I, I think it was that live album. On the release for the tour in 2015, she also came out with a collection called Good Day, Gentle Folk on March 21st, alongside Unknown. And I guess the newest album is released on vinyl only. Oh. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I mean, I have a record player, too, but still, it's kind of tough. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to rip it and give it to you because, you know, Melora. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty good one. It's very interesting. Okay, let's see here. How should we do our listener's guide to Rasputina? (laughs) What? I was introduced to Rasputina on a mixtape from a friend. Really? So So the first song I ever heard of Rasputina was Trench Mouth. Trench Mouth. Okay. What album did that come off of? No, that's a good question. Because I know I played you How We Quit the Forest a long time ago, too. It's How We Quit the Forest, isn't it? Yep, it's How We Quit the Forest. That's yeah, true. that's such a good song. Okay, so let's See, go See, that's here. why we always go back to How We Quit the Forest. It's But what's their first album? It's Thanks for the Ether. Oh, well, I wouldn't start there because that one's so strange. I would start with How We Quit the Forest. Mm-hmm. And then I'd move on to Frustration Plantation and then go back to Thanks for the Ether. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you could go ahead and go with Oh Precious World to all the other ones that they currently are coming out with. And then there is one, is it Lost and Found, where it's all the covers and then it's... Yeah, Lost and Found. That's a good one. That's that also good a good starter one because then you okay. get to hear Okay, yeah. So maybe we'll put that in the second position yeah <laughs> do how we quit the forest and then lost and founds because i think their covers yeah. are great yeah their covers are awesome they have a version of wish you were here and that was uh, i think it's almost better than the original it's so good i know it's that is so to good. say that but i yeah. totally but it's like a tie like it's and yeah. that's hard to do with a cover i liked her bad moon rising as well oh that one's really good too oh my goodness i forgot about that mm-hmm. those are probably my two favorite covers yeah, maybe we should play something from it. Hold on here. Oh, you have, yes. Uh, which one do you want to play? The Bad Moon Rising? or? Yeah. All right, so Bad Moon Rising. Here we go.
don't think that's that one drummer in there. It doesn't sound like him. <laughs> so the song's better. Um, <laughs> she changes her percussion a lot. Yeah. Then in the early days, it was mostly just cello players. It was, uh, yeah, it was, okay, the first album was just three cello players. And they had some drummer. And then How We Quit the Forest is when uh, this guy, who was the drummer from Nine Inch Nails, he produced the album. And so he put a bunch of drum loops and played drums with them. That one's by far my favorite one. And you could kind of tell it has that weird industrial kind of sound to it. Mm-hmm. We'll get to it one of these days. Yeah. Because I could just gush over that one forever. <laughs> 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 Actually, I don't know the last time I listened to that album. It was kind of depressing me thinking about that. Oh, <laughs> because it lives, you listen to it enough, it like lives with you. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll say if I ever become really famous doing production, Rasputina would be the first band I'd think of that I'd really want to record. Yes. And hang out with and whatever. See, her music, like when I said I liked Sparrowhawk, um, proud that song i can see choreography to certain stuff of her music like yeah, i really want sure. to because it's so visual i'm like oh i want to like choreograph some dancers to some of this stuff i agree but melora let us work with you <laughs> <laughs> one of these days so okay let's go over our list again once again how we quit the forest and then the cover album lost and found and then frustration plantation and then Thanks for the ether. You could just kind of go ahead and listen to everything else throughout that. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to oh, start yeah. with How We Quit the Forest. Yes. I think that's a good intro album. God damn, it's so good. <laughs> and then eventually get to the album we listen to, The Unknown. <laughs> like what we're supposed to be reviewing. We're if like, um, we listen to this it. one album, but don't listen <laughs> Oh, you're right. It is. Well, you can find it on YouTube. You can find it it on YouTube. YouTube. I might put it in the liner notes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe we shouldn't. She didn't want it out there. Yeah. It's not meant to be online, supposedly. So, I mean, just listening to it on YouTube is sacrilegious for her. I couldn't find my CD. I know I have it. (laughs) You have the CD. Mm -hmm. I have it. I just don't know. I have like boxes of CDs, though. Oh, I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someone gave me some boxes of CDs. Just a few. Just a few. Yeah. <laughs> I remember almost every show I go to, the merch booth is always selling some CD. And it's always around like the 40 to $50 range for the CD. And like I remember there was one where her kid made the cover yeah and i really wanted it but i just didn't have the 50 dollars to you're right over. she always has really like limited edition stuff yeah limited edition of the t-shirts i'm sure she just makes and designs herself if there is any <laughs> i don't really have very much rasputina paraphernalia like i have a pin you have I a did- pin Yeah, I got a pin. I remember one time you were able to get like a necklace that was made out of a cello string. I don't remember that. Yeah, you were able to get it. um, (laughs) It was her. (laughs) It was her. (laughs) But you were able to get it online and there was only like 200 or so that you could get. So. Yeah. So she does like very collectible things. She's an artist. She's like a visual artist and a musician. And yeah, so it's kind of cool. She brings all of that 
Yeah. And I feel like we should talk about her uh, percussion because, okay, we saw him twice and it had the one guy. And I think he was, Mm -hmm. I can't remember his name, but he was with him probably the longest. Let's see. I can't even find. Oh, my God. The past members is about 20. Yeah, she, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's because she doesn't tour always as frequently or doesn't have stuff out or I'm not quite sure. And I don't yeah. know how much they bring in. I do know there was a cello player. Usually there are women. That's yeah. we, we should know women cello players. But then the recent years, there was a guy, Daniel. Oh, yeah. Daniel was awesome. And he seemed in love with, like, he knew her catalog so well. And yeah, so, oh, my goodness. And he actually yeah. was really good. And then my favorite celloist, Sarah Bowman, was my favorite celloist. Yeah. Um, she was with her for Frustration, Plantation, and a couple others. And then she moved on to, with her twin sister to the Bowman's project. And it's so funny, though, the percussion. I mean, I remember one time it was this one girl who had a uh, concert bass drum that she would be banging with a snare. And then she had like some bells on her leg. That was her hi-hat. Yes, I do remember that. It got really like, I don't know, primitive or something. Like it was like really stripped down. Yeah. And um, was that perilous... Oh, Perilous World? Is that when that started? <laughs> well, as soon as the other drummer left, which I think he was kind of more, now I think about it, it was kind of the foundation, kind of keeping it going as it was. And then as soon as he left, it just went, it went somewhere else. Yeah, and then she had that guy who did like beatboxing and stuff. What? Didn't he do something weird? Like he'd make like, percussion i don't remember this it just kept getting stranger like i feel like the yeah like she hates drummers or something i don't know like then she started getting people who are kind of like drummers yeah but i think he came back the one drummer i was talking about before maybe it's chris something didn't he look kind of like a civil war yeah yeah he always looked like a civil war actor (laughs) which works because her she dresses like in different times yeah she always wears these crazy corsets and Mm -hmm. big dresses yeah but i think he came back recently so maybe there might be a little bit more of a backbeat in there again not knocking it or anything. <laughs> no. No. no, she makes these choices and it's fine. Her music, it works. It, it totally she works. She just makes strange choices sometimes. For me, I mean, I'd try to get like another drummer back. I guess a real drummer or something. Not someone that was conventional, just banging. Yeah, like conventional. Like a conventional drummer. Not someone that was just banging on concert bass drums and a snare. Oh, God. Um, Okay, so the unique thing about Rasputina is when I first was into them, it'd be these women on cellos, and they'd distort the cellos to sound like guitars, but because it's a little bit deeper, it gave it more of this nice bass tone to it. And that was the sound I loved, and they still do that here and there, which is amazing. So they always Mm -hmm. distort it with guitar pedals, and they run their cellos through bass amps. It's great. And if you kind of like their music, then you should definitely go see them live once this COVID thing's been lifted. Yeah, it is an experience. It's really quite fun. And she created these recitals now, so there are more intimate spaces. That's what it felt like more in the recent. Forgot about that. Now you sit, you don't stand. If you have restless leg like I do, it's a little bit hard. <laughs> I'm standing in the back. He was in the back of the venue. And then I did see one year she performed. 
Oh, which song is it? The TV song? Oh, yeah. That one, and she cried while she was... Oh, That's so right. Emotional. I forgot about it that. It was so emotional. And she apologized because she wanted to sound bad. But it, it wasn't for the original meaning of the song. It was like a new meaning for the song to like memorialize somebody. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, it was heartbreaking. She's just really good live. like, And she's very, um, yeah. talks to the audience like you're there and is interacting with and you. And then she so. go, will go off in these weird kind of, I don't even know what to call it, speeches that kind of yes. go out and you're like, wait. Okay, and then they'll just go into a song. Uh huh. Like weird inside jokes. I don't know. So she'll just that say only all she gets, and nobody really gets at all. Yes. I don't know. So. I guess I'm gushing over Rasputina right now. Yeah. <laughs> so what everyone should get for this is we recommend Rasputina, but we recommend yeah. starting not with the album we were talking about, which is the unknown, which now everyone's going to want to listen to because we just told them not to. It's uh, well, not a bad album. It's great. It's just not. It's just one part of her work, and it's yeah. a very processy piece about a really dark time in her life. So right. that's all you need context for it. And the thing about Rasputina and Melora is that it's like you're going through a journey with her, with all her music and her career. Yeah, and many of the albums, so for me, are those type of albums you listen to the whole thing because it is like a one piece of art. They're easily one of my still like my favorite groups, or she's still my favorite songwriter, I guess, because mm-hmm. she pretty much is the core member of Rasputina, even though she has her own solo stuff and it sounds like Rasputina. I didn't know that. So <laughs> Remember where you played to, some I of her to, stuff? Yeah, I have to go look <laughs> her stuff, her solo stuff. The funny thing about her, too, is just it seems like everything's still kind of like a mystery with her to me. Even though, yeah. I mean, she has a wiki, but I can't tell if it's true or not because her fans just gush over her just as much as we do. <laughs> so I can't. When you love her, you love her. It's hard. And she's very mysterious and interesting and unique. And So, yeah, go check it out. Her catalog. Highly recommend it. It's on Spotify. Yeah, that's about it. That's it. <laughs> we could be talking great. in loops all day long, I guess. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so you can find me on Facebook at Glitch Unicorn. You can find me on Instagram as Sister Santos. All right, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.